Last week, I started into something, and uh, I want to go back and revisit it. Um, I had, through the Christmas season, been reading a number of the prophecies regarding Jesus, and had hit Isaiah 11, that uh, says a shoot will grow out of Jesse's stock. And Jesse was the father of David, and the idea is that someone will come from David's line. And the Net Bible uh, phrases this in a way that caught my attention. It says, the Lord's Spirit will rest on him, a spirit that gives extraordinary wisdom, a spirit that provides the ability to execute plans, and a spirit that produces absolute loyalty to the Lord, he will today delight in obeying the Lord. So it was, it was spoken of the person coming that the work of the Spirit would accomplish these things on that person. You know, incredible wisdom, an ability to execute plans, and then this extreme loyalty that would apply itself in, in obedience. And uh, I thought, well, boy, that's kind of a dream for all of us or a wish that we would have the wisdom of the Lord to apply to life, that we would be able to execute the things that we saw that needed to be done, and that there would be an obedience a steadfast obedience to the Lord in everything. Now that's that's our that's the target, so to speak. And uh, yet, that's what it said. That's what it speaks of Jesus. That's that would be the identifier of his life. And then from there, I'd I'd gotten into the thing of when he was twelve years old, and they went to the temple. And remember, he was there for three days, and, and uh, it didn't, his folks didn't realize that he hadn't gone back home with them, and they had to go back and find him. He is, at that point, sitting and asking questions and giving answers to the best of the best of Israel's theologians. I mean, they would have been there in Jerusalem. It would have been the high holiday Everybody that was somebody would have been there. And yet he is, he is already intellectually at a level capable of, of dealing with them. And, and so you're going, genius, right? But the next verses are what caught my attention. When, it go, when he goes back home, it says, he went with them and was submissive to them. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I think that Joseph and Mary were perfect in all that they did. I really doubt that they could even challenge him intellectually at that point. And yet, he submits his life to them, and it's stated, you know, that's, that was how he lived. And so then you're going, if Jesus lived that way, Certainly, it's appropriate for children to live that way through time, right? I mean, if, if Jesus was one that would submit to his parents then and, and function in obedience as was prophesied about him, then when you read a statement like this and you're going, 
there's more to this than just being right all the time or having a better insight. But there's, a, there's something in God that, that's appropriate with this. So I was chewing on that, and then, then I was looking at Philippians. You know, we're, we're told to have the same attitude as Christ. But it, what he goes on to describe this, it says, he didn't regard equality with God as something to be grasped. So he, he wasn't just saying, I'm just as smart as you are. Don't ask me anything. And then it goes on and says, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. And he humbled himself in becoming obedient to the point of death. So even in adulthood, he's living in submission to the Father. And it comes out in this extreme of being willing to go to the cross. So as a child, he's living in submission to his parents and to the Father. But in adulthood, he's living in submission to the Father as well. And so, you know, as I was, I was chewing on that, I'm just going... This is a, a powerful concept to get a hold of because when we say we want to be submissive to the Lord and obedient in whatever he asks us to do, um, how we treat the, those around us in relationship has a lot to do whether we'll be ever able to, to do that before the Father. I... Uh, I got into this a little bit. I, you know, I was kind of ready to let it be, and then, then Facebook. <laughs> a friend had posted a thing by John Piper, and he had written a, a blog recently or an article, and it was titled, uh, Parents, Require Obedience of Your Children. And I, I read through it because I'd been on this track, and then one of his points was, however, Obedience is a New Testament principle. It's not just Old Testament. It is New Testament as well. And so I just want to walk through that some because it is so crucial to our lives that we get a hold of what's appropriate in the Lord. In the... <laughs> even, even like, you know, following on Piper's thing, he, he quotes... Uh, Ephesians 6, children obey your parents. And that's written in a context of the submission where Paul in chapter 5 writes about husbands and wives, wives submit to your husbands, and then he talks about the husbands love your wives. And so he's, he's very careful how he addresses it, but he says it's still there. Then you bridge over into chapter 6, and he says, children obey your parents, and he says, Parents or dads don't exasperate your children or, or be harsh that way. You know, so he's, he's giving both sides of it. And then he steps further into it and says, he talks about servants and masters. So it's a, it's a whole bridge that he's, that he's walking through of relationship. But he's still saying, this is a very important principle of life. And so... You know, we, we address it early on from childhood, but it, it is something that is with us all through life. So Paul was very clear in making that declaration. Uh, in Romans, he makes this statement. He says, For the outlook of the flesh is death, the outlook of the Spirit is life and peace. 
The outlook of the flesh is hostile to God and does not submit to the law of God. So he says, there's something in us by nature when we're living according to the flesh that just cannot yield to the Lord, does not want to yield. He says, yet it's important that we allow the Spirit of God to drive us. Romans 10, he speaks of the Israelites, and this is a rather sobering concept to me. He says about them, he says, Paul says, they're zealous. They're very religious. He says that, you know, as far as zeal, you can't fault them. They throw energy into religion. You know, they're very religious. But he makes this statement, but they did not submit to God's righteousness. So even though they've developed a religion and they're very devout in what they're doing, he says, they have yet to yield themselves to God. And that's where the, the rub is. That's, there's a problem with that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 says, we take every thought captive and make it obey Christ. So even in our adult life, even with our minds, we're, we're walking through this thing of saying, that's stinking thinking, you know, and I have to change it, right? We're coming to terms with things that aren't appropriate, and we're just saying, that has to turn. I can't continue to live with that as being a part of my life. And so he says, we're taking, every thought that we have is, 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 uh, is target, so to speak. And we're saying, is this, is this, is this been submitted to Christ? Is this been made obedient to what he wants? We were talking um, in our prayer group. Somebody had a real confession. No, I'm just kidding. Um, my kid, I'm getting distracted. I got to get back. The idea of of taking our lives and yielding to the Lord is a, an ongoing thing of chasing excellence in Him. And, it, and everybody has a different way of, of, of confront, confronting it, a different way of dealing with it. This time of year, you know, we're all kind of into the, uh, regularly we're into, I'm going to do it right this year. But it's, you know, it's evaluating and just saying, okay, what, what needs to turn? What needs to change? And you know, we, we look at this and we go, this needs to be brought into obedience to God. Uh, Colossians, if you're familiar with the Ephesians and Colossians, they must have been written at the same time and they have a lot of similar material. And so... When, when you walk through them, if you read them together, you're going, oh, that's, you know, he words it slightly different, but they just, they parallel each other through much of the book. And uh, he is, in Colossians, he went through that same sequence of, of husbands and wives, children and fathers, uh, slaves and masters, and then he comes to this. He says, whatever you are doing, work at it with enthusiasm. As to the Lord, not for people. He says, ultimately, what you're doing in relationship with others and how you're working your life with them and how you're either leading or submitting, he says, 
that's still under the umbrella of your relationship unto God. This is a part of your worship. And so he's, he's making this declaration. He says, do it with enthusiasm for the Lord. Not, not for people, but just recognize. He says, there's an inheritance to be had doing this. And then he says, serve the Lord Christ. For the one who does wrong will be paid for his wrong. There are no exceptions. So it's, you know, that's the other side of the coin. It says, if you, if you don't get this right, there are some repercussions. And so he just kind of lays it out there. James has a similar idea. He said, God opposes the proud, gives grace to the humble, so submit to God. Hebrews, obey your leaders and submit to them. Again, Romans, it says, though through him we have received grace and our apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among the Gentiles. So in this opening sequence of his writing, Paul's defining his ministry, and he's saying, I'm an apostle, and what is, what is the target or the goal of all this? He says, to help the Gentiles come into obedience of faith. So again, this New Testament principle, it, it's virtually everywhere you look. I want to bridge along this just a bit. In some ways, children will always reflect their parents' values. It just happens. Uh, that, that is a good thing and a bad thing both. You know, it, in some ways, it's it, it a little satisfying for me to have three kids living away from home because you can't see them quite as well. There are certain things that I'm very proud of and certain things that scare me to death about them. Certain things that I see connected to my life that I'm going, okay, <laughs> didn't break the barrier there. <laughs> you know? Or there's other things that you're going, hey, they, they seem to have got it. But, it, you know, so much of that is caught and not taught. It's just, you know, if, if you're selfish, plan on having selfish kids. That's the reality. If you're passionate for God, there's a good chance your kids will be passionate too. It's, it's very complex. I don't pretend to have all the answers. But when I, when I look at this, and I'm going, Jesus, you know, the, the perfect son, the one who did things right, we are told to imitate him. He says, we bear the image of, of the first Adam or the image of man, the man of dust. But he says also, bear the image of the man of heaven. So that's what we, we target. We say, well, if, if that was good for Jesus, it's good for us as well. Ephesians, you were taught with your reference to your former way of life, lay aside the old man, being corrupted and in accordance with deceitful desires, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new man that has been created in God's image. So if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us as well. Romans 8 says, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. On the other side of the, the picture, you know, there's father and, and, 
and child thing. Jesus at one time is talking to those around him, and he goes, uh, yeah, you're, you're children of your father, the devil. <laughs> he was a liar, you're liars. You know, he just, he lays it out in a way that's, that there's not much wiggle room, right? I mean, he's, he's, it, it wasn't the most polite way of saying it, but it, it certainly got the point across. So that's it. Let's, let's blend these two together out of Hebrews 12. My son, do not scorn the Lord's discipline or give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son he accepts. Besides, we have experienced discipline through our earthly fathers, and we respected them. Shall we not submit ourselves all the more to the Father of spirits and receive life? So again, he parallels the human relationship with the spiritual relationship. And when we, when we look at that, you know, I, I can't pretend to you that every form of discipline I did with my kids was right. You know, that's, and a lot of that is still up for evaluation. I can't pretend to have answers for you. You know, I can look from the outside and say, well, you want my advice, so I'm going to suggest this to you. But, you know, you're still going to have to find your own answers. And each child is different and has a different way of responding. And each family has its way of coming together. I mean, husband and wife, these challenges of how do you, what are we going to do? You have to find answers together before you take it to the kid, right? I mean, for it to truly work. And so there's a tension. You know, where one's going to go, that kid's got evil in them and we got to get it out. And the other's going, no, no, they've got, there's good there if we'll just give it time. You know, and, and you know, you have to just keep at it together and coming to terms. And, and, and quite honestly, some of the, the tools of today, you know, are different than what we had. You know, when, when I'm, I'm looking redirect, and going, it doesn't work for me. Well, fine, but it may work. <laughs> to me, it's like, well, you're avoiding the issue. Um, but that's who I was. You know? But again, you have to come to terms and say, what effect is it having? Is it accomplishing our goals? Are we teaching this child to understand obedience that they might understand obedience before God. Because it's vital that they have this understanding so that they can stand and understand how God's relationship works with them. So I pray for your blessing. You know, I pray that, that you, you can walk through this and say, you know what, through the Lord we actually got on the same page. That was a miracle. And through the Lord, we're actually seeing some health out of this. And because that's, that's our goal. You know, to, when, when you have this child and you dedicate them unto the Lord, your, your highest desire is that they will take on those same values and, and chase God with all their might. And, you know, what I'm bringing to you is saying, Part of this idea of obedience and submission 
even though it's not popular in our culture, are still valuable and ex- extremely important for this day. It is a principle that you cannot exclude from the Scripture. It's just in too many places. So, Lord, give us wisdom. And, Lord, particularly for the families that are in the midst of child raising, I pray for wisdom. I pray for a unity among husbands and wives that will come to terms with how to work together in this and how to share both uh, a, a love for truth and a love for grace. And Lord, we see that applied through you. Now help us to learn how to apply it as well. Give us some of that extreme wisdom and the ability of, to apply plans. And then let us see the fruit, the good fruit of having raised our children in you. Amen. I'm going to pray for God's blessing upon you. What remains is open-ended. If you'd like prayer, it's easiest to come forward. Uh, either that or find someone that you trust and just ask them to pray with you. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy what it is to walk in obedience to you. I ask as each one goes into the community that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.